Welcome to New Life Community Church. We are a multi-ethnic community-based church that believes Jesus turns our mud into miracles. And we believe that we are stronger and healthier when we are connected to other believers. So we invite you to consider joining one of our six summer life groups. It's, at, it's actually here at the church building every Thursday at 7 p.m. Uh, we come, worship together, and then break up into different uh, life groups. Right, and so we'll be having a special service for baptisms and child dedications on August 21st. If you are interested in being, uh, or you, if you're interested in having any questions about being baptized or dedicating your child, please talk with Pastor Dave. Um, that's a good thing when it comes to dedicating your child. It's not a baptism for your child. As you know, uh, a lot of us believe that we came from Catholic Church, but it's more like of a dedication. You know, it's, you, it's your commitment to the Lord to dedicate your child as, uh, you know, to, to him. And then as you get older, then you make the decision upon yourself or you take that upon yourself to make a decision to be baptized, you know, and that's actually a command. It's a biblical command, right, in the New Testament. So um, if you're not baptized yet, I suggest you probably get, get, get it going. Get <laughs> and um, World Mandate, it's, it's in L.A., Nel Sereno, Saturday, October. <laughs> October 15th. Usually World Mandate is like for um, the the people that are doing a D school, right? So the fact that it's closer, it's actually a good thing for the whole church to go. So if you guys uh, haven't did that, you should probably go. It's down the street right uh, by El Sereno Park. And it's uh, Saturday, October the 15th, $25 for adults and $20 for kids before August 1st. So after that day, it goes up to $40 for adults and $25 uh, for kids after August 1st. So Stanley from the DR will be one of the main speakers. It, so if you are new to our church uh, or are not already plugged into our current communication stream, please make sure to check the bottom of your bulletin for how to stay connected. You'll especially want to sign up for the text notification system, and we promise we won't bombard you. It's not going to be going off in the night, right? So go ahead and take your phone out now and follow the instructions on the screen. And that's at new-life-c. Pretty good. All right. So if you are a teen, we invite you to join Pastor Mark and Pastor Fed in the back of the sanctuary for a teen service this morning. They'll have orange juice and donuts. Uh, please feel free to exit through the side door as we transition to the sermon. All right. Now I'd like to welcome up Pastor Dave. Take a round for those donuts. Yes. All right. Good day, beloved church family of God. Uh, I wonder how many of us, including me, uh, wouldn't still be here if it wasn't for the people God has put in our lives. Once upon a time, I was a single young man, if you believe it or not. You know, I thought I was pretty good looking at the time. Uh, not sure how many others thought that, but that didn't matter, right? I thought I was doing pretty good taking care of business. Uh, but there was something people didn't know about me and something I was barely aware of myself. Since moving out of my mom's house, I hadn't been to the dentist in years. I mean, no one was asking about my dental life. 
hiding behind my smile uh, was this hardened plaque, I guess, you know, underneath all that. But I didn't know, you know. I just... Then several years later, uh, into my 20s, God brought this young lady named G-Sun into my life. <laughs> we started dating, and somehow she found out that I hadn't been to the dentist in like seven years. And she was horrified. And then I was like, wait. I guess this isn't normal. Then I was horrified. Uh, she was able to get me to do something even my mom's wasn't able to get me to do. Go to the dentist. So I scheduled an appointment, and when I finally did, the, uh, the dentist and the assistant were in shock. I, I was a little bit ashamed. They looked at what I literally, I, I couldn't see it, and they got to work, and after like it was two painful hours. Like, I had to, like, stop midway in between to, like, redo my, put in some more coins for the parking because two hours, this, like, Armenian, like, assistant was just, like, pounding away at my teeth. It, it hurt, and there was blood and gunk all over the place, but my teeth were clean, and I was like, oh, this, this is what it's supposed to feel like. <laughs> You see, we need people in our life to see what we can't see, to challenge us into the better version of ourselves. Yes, we might not like it, but we need those kind of friends. We've been going through a series on friendship, and we learned that Jesus is the best example of friendship. And because he has been such a friend to us, that's what gives us a power to be able to do and be that kind of friend to others. If we live in Jesus, we've learned that we could be friends that are full of God's Holy Spirit. And if we're living in Jesus, it means that he's given us uh, the role to share each other's burdens. To be generous, not just with money, but with our time. Uh, to be intentional beyond our usual social circles. Jesus kind of pushes us beyond that, and to even be willing to work through conflict like we learned about last week. Today, we're going to explore how the friendship of Jesus helps us and others be accountable. Through friendships of accountability, God helps us to bring the best out of one another. So as you're able, if you could please join me in standing for the reading of God's word taken this morning from Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 34. We'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Then they, the disciples, began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over the people. Yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leaders should be like a servant. Who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. You have stayed with me in my time of trial, 
And just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table, my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Let's pray. Jesus, we are amazed at your love for us, that you stick with us. It is not because we are worthy that we're here. It's because we need you, Lord God. We need you so much. Lord God, who loves like you do? So, Father, you know all the stuff that went down this week. You know what went down today, Lord God. Everything that we carry in our hearts, you know them. So we give them into your hands. You are strong enough to carry all these things. So help us now to be fully present to you, not to rush to the next thing, but hear you. Sit at your feet and listen to you. Help us to hear the word that you're speaking to each of us and help it to do its work in us, that it would come out of our lives, come out of our mouths, uh, come out of our hands. Help us, oh God, we need you so much. Let your word be like a fire in our hearts. Oh God, that just burns out anything that doesn't belong and and burns bright for you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, so accountability. What is accountability? Accountability means everybody answers to somebody. Accountability means, according to the dictionary, taking ownership for one's actions. Now, certainly there are abusers out there. We see horrible abuses of people in power when they're not accountable to anyone. You see what kind of stuff happens. And certainly those in power and those abusers, they should take responsibility, accountability. But, you know, accountability shouldn't be something that we just bring in at the end, like, you know, get at people at the end after the damage has already been done. What's supposed to happen and be in place from the beginning is accountability so that that damage doesn't happen in the first place. You feel me? Accountability isn't just about punishment either. I hope we don't hear that because being accountable is not only for the good of others. It's actually good for our health, as the example that I shared. Uh, it's for our own health. And although accountability... It, even in Scripture, it falls more heavily on leaders. It's for all of us. Because, you know, unless any of you are secretly robots, we all have some responsibility and a part to play. God put us here on this earth for some reason. So accountability, it matters so that we can thrive. Now, when we think about the world's view of accountability, kind of what kind of things come to mind, uh, especially in the West, in, the, in, in America especially, is that you're on your own for your own actions. You hold yourself accountable. Okay, but as followers of Jesus, that's true. We're certainly responsible for our own actions. But Jesus is saying, but accountability means 
We don't have to go it alone. We're to help and encourage each other into the right actions. Jesus loves us, and he challenges us to bring accountability into our friendships. What do we learn about accountability in friendships from this passage? Number one, an accountable friendship, it serves. It serves. An accountable friendship serves. Where do I see that? At the start of this passage that we read in Luke 22, we find the disciples arguing amongst themselves about who is the greatest. And we kind of laugh because it's easy to judge these fools, these disciples. But don't we often do this with our friends? I've been in fantasy football leagues with a number of y'all, and we're like competing to see who's got the greatest team. You know, who's got the bragging rights of trash talk? Uh, or maybe that's not you. It might be showing off on your social media profiles to your friends that you're the greatest out here living your best life. That's in us. But what's interesting is Jesus overhears this conversation. He's like, not like, stop. He's like, Jesus doesn't say to the disciples, don't strive for greatness. That's not what he says. But Jesus, what he does do is he redefines greatness. He says, you got it, you got it wrong here. Greatness in the kingdom looks very different than what you're thinking. He says that if you want to be great, you got to be the one who serves the most. What? Okay, think about it. Why do you love Jesus? Jesus is so great, not because he has the authority to tell us what to do. That's probably not why you love him. We love him because Jesus has served us the most, the best. We've experienced that. And that's why Jesus is great. That even though he is God in the flesh, he came down to serve us, to wash our feet. So Jesus' accountability, just know it's not rooted in judgment. It's rooted in service. And Jesus, you know, uh, we see that example. We're like, dang. You might be saying, but that's just Jesus. Come on, that's Jesus. I'm not Jesus. But I say with the words of Jesus right here in verse 26, he says, but among you, among you, it will be different. He believes in us. It's going to be different with you. You're with me. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like the servant. Jesus served his disciples, and he expected his disciples to do the same thing with each other. Jesus is saying, you see how the world out here treats friends? Do you see how the world out here views friendship? I want you to be different, a different kind of friend to each other. Not friends that compete in owning each other, but friends that outdo each other in serving each other. Accountable friendships, they should challenge us to love better. When I think about an accountable friendship in my life, I think about, you know, an accountable friendship that serves. You know who I think? I think of Mark Walker. is <laughs> one of our youth pastors. I've known Mark now for almost a decade. 
And according to this passage of Jesus, he's one of the greats. Why is that? Not because he's like some pastor. He is great not because he tells me what to do, even though sometimes I need to be told sometimes. Uh, he's great because he loves really well. If you've ever been loved by Mark Walker, he's always ready with a listening ear for you. He actually remembers <laughs> what you said, like even like months afterwards, and then he'll ask you about it. And I'm like, dang, I forgot about that. You remember that. You were actually listening to me. So he challenges me because apparently my personality, I'm really good at looking like I'm listening, but, you know. Uh, so I need some work, you know. <laughs> my, my wife laughs, you know, because that's real. All right. This year, we as a staff team, um, we realized that Adriana, our, our tireless church administrator, her birthday was during the all-church retreat. But Adriana was serving as a main camp contact. She was busy running around. And as staff, we were all re preparing for that retreat for the day. That was like so many people. It was like three churches. So we were tired already. We were kind of on the edge with all the work we needed to do. And then Mark shows up with his kids in tow with a box a box of Porto's Danishes. This is like treasure. And we saw for Adriana, when none of the staff, none of us had gotten her anything. <laughs> His thoughtful servanthood made him the greatest among us all that day. His servanthood is the kind that challenges me to love better. Because you see, an accountable friendship serves others, not just ourselves. What else do I see in this passage? An accountable relationship prays ahead. An accountable relationship prays ahead. You know, as Jesus is schooling his friends on what true greatness is about, he reveals right here what I believe to be at the heart of what an accountable friendship in Jesus does. If you're in Jesus, I believe this is the heart of what an accountable friendship does. Jesus reveals his prayer for his friend, Simon. We know him as Peter. In verse 31 and 32, we get a rare glimpse. It's not very often that we get to, we know Jesus goes off and prays a lot, but we get a rare glimpse of what he actually was praying about. Listen again to this prayer in verse 31. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. Okay, we're not farmers, so sifting is like if you got wheat, you sift it, you get all that stuff that you don't eat so you could get the parts that we do eat, right? It, it's like it's lots of thrashing and that kind of stuff, right? Satan wants to do that to you. I see what's going on. And then he says in verse 32, but, thank you, Jesus, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. Then what do I see in here? A, I see Jesus really sees the need. He's able to see what's really going on, not just what we see physically. Jesus gets perspective on what's really happening. In verse 32, he sees that Satan is trying to get at his friends. And then B, I see Jesus prays for the real need. 
What's really interesting, if you look at this, do you see that he didn't pray for Satan to stop? But he prayed, you know what you need? You need your faith not to stop. Who cares what Satan does? Your faith, I'm going to pray that it does not fail. And we see in verse 32, it says, you know, Peter, I, I pleaded for you in prayer. Could you imagine that? Uh, it says in Scripture that Jesus is our intercessor. So right now, uh, Jesus is praying for us. And sometimes he has to plead for us. Uh, what does this word mean? In the Greek here, it, uh, the word that's used here is not just to pray, just ask. It's to pray with desire and longing. His heart was in it because he really cared for his friend. He cared so deeply, he did the best thing that you could do for a friend. You lift him up to the Heavenly Father. Because you don't have that power. You need supernatural power to do that sort of thing. Jesus knows that that's where battles, that's where the battle is lost or won in the prayer. Nobody else sees. He knows, okay, I need to hit this. We also see that Jesus prays for the next steps needed. I don't know if you caught this, but in the second part of verse 32, Jesus is, says, I see what's going on. I pray for you. And just, he knows. So when you have repented, not, so if you repent, no, when you have repented and turned back to me again, it's like, I know you will turn back. Then what I want you to do is I want you to strengthen your brothers. What Jesus is doing right here. Jesus already knows that Peter's going to come back. He's like praying into the future. He already sees what's going to happen on such a deep level. Through prayer, Jesus is able to see what is next. What's the next step ahead that even his friend doesn't even see? Well, come on, that's Jesus. I mean, like he had that supernatural connection with the Father. That's just Jesus, right? We can't pray like that, Dave. Well, I will say no. Jesus intends for his friends to follow his example. Why do I see this? Because he says in verse 32 that Jesus wants Peter to what at the very end? Strengthen your brothers. Jesus wants his friends to have such a relationship that they strengthen each other. That they do what Jesus does for them. And how? In the world, are you going to strengthen your friends for the test that they're going to have to endure unless they're supernaturally empowered to overcome them? No, if we are followers of Jesus, that means we care enough to lift up our friends up to God, to pray to see the real need, to pray deeply into what they really need, and to pray for the next steps ahead. We're to pray about our friends we are not just friends of the past, right? We are friends even of the present and about the future for whatever may come. Okay, what, what does that look like to pray into the future? When I think of an accountable friend in my life that prays ahead, I think of our brother Gus Galvan. Uh, he, he, He's in the uh, urgent care right now because his body's in pain. So please remember, prayer for him. I've shared it before, but I'll say it again. I've been so challenged by the ways that Gus prays ahead for me, for us. He loves us enough to be open to listen to what God has to say for others. He loves enough to share what God shows him 
whether he understands it or not, whether it's an easy thing to share or not. God works through his prayers. And when I was on my sabbatical, uh, just time off from ministry, I wasn't even in touch with him for almost a year. And then he reached out to me out of the blue, and he shared this image. And he didn't know what it meant. It was really weird and freaky, right? It was like me in chains in the center of a room. I think I, like, I was like some hollow shell. And then he saw like different me's in the corner uh, like of the room. It was really weird, right? So he's like, I don't know what this means. It's a strange image, Dave, but uh, I'm just going to give it to you. And when I heard that word, I knew what it meant for me. I didn't share it with anybody, much less Gus. At that time in my life, God was challenging me to integrate these different parts of myself, uh, these emotions that I didn't know what to do with, to integrate those things. And if I didn't press through on that, if I just let things be, I wouldn't have been headed to a good place. This is just one of the many times that Gus has shared what God showed him about me through prayer. And I know some of you have experienced that. Not just through Gus, but there's different prophetic folks. Maybe you came here and you don't even know this person and they have a word for you. It's like, how do you know my business? Because God does. And he's not doing that just to put you on blast. It's like he wants you to live. Because you see, in accountable friendship... It prays ahead. I also see an accountable friendship speaks and lives the truth. Speaks and lives the truth. So when Peter hears this hardcore prayer uh, that Jesus has for him, Peter tries to say, Jesus, you know, I'm down for you, Jesus. Come on. I'm ride or die with you, Jesus. But then Jesus does this hard thing. He checks his friend Peter at that moment. That Peter isn't ready to actually do that. Jesus loves Peter enough to tell him the truth. To tell his friend what he's unable to see. In verse 34, Jesus tells his friend, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny three times that you even know me. Much less die for me. Man, Jesus, you're harsh. Jesus tells Peter a hard thing, something that's not very flattering about Peter. It seems like a harsh thing to do. Look, your homie's just trying to show his loyalty. Come on. But that is our misconception of love. Often the world tells us, if you love someone, you can't tell them the hard things because, you know, you're their friend, so you can't tell them the hard thing. No, that's not true love. Jesus is showing us. That's people pleasing. If we love someone, we don't just tell them what they want to hear. When we love someone, we really want what's best for them. And sometimes that means we need to tell them a hard thing. In Peter's case, he needed to know there were still areas in his life that needed growing. But what's so amazing is Jesus was still committed to love him anyway. So how many of us, well, we're hearing this, but Dave, 
I try to be that friend, and I just get burned. You don't know how many memes I see up there. It's like, man, if you try to serve people, they just burn you. So just forget about it. Yeah, that's the way of the world. But when you see Jesus, he knew, he even knew ahead of time his friends would just take off in his hour of need. But even this, he tells, even when he's telling Peter this, we, we know the rest. Jesus loves Peter. <laughs> it's amazing. For you see, Jesus knew that Peter would fail him tomorrow. But he was still able to love him today. And still die for him tomorrow. Lead him into transformation in the years to come until the day that he did finally give his life for his best friend. Uh, church legend says he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified like his best friend. Jesus desires for us to follow his example in speaking and living in the truth. We know that Peter's story, it doesn't end here. If it just ended there, that's pretty savage of Jesus. But we know it doesn't just end right there. It's part of the process. You got to trust that process, right? Right here, we see just like Jesus saw in prayer, Peter is reconciled to Jesus after his failure. And after Jesus is resurrected, Jesus continues to encourage Peter to carry on Jesus' work of being accountable friends who speak and live the truth to his brothers. So much so that Jesus builds the church of Jesus off of Peter's life. His name was Simon. When he met Simon, he called him Peter before he was even Peter. Peter means the rock of the church. A failure. But God loved him. Kept him accountable. He's like, no, you're not going to run away from this. Even if you messed up. I, I, I know. I know. When I think of an accountable friendship that speaks and lives uh, the truth in my life, I think of my friend Lee Nguyen. I met Lee in my 20s through a college uh, fellowship group we were part of. He was the oldest son of a big Vietnamese immigrant family that had been broken up with lots of drama. But Jesus found him and worked through him powerfully to become a servant leader to his family. So he used to do some drug running. Now he's running for Jesus. I respected the way he lived his life so much. I wanted to continue that friendship with him beyond college. So when I came, went out of college, went to teacher college, uh, my first year in teaching in South L.A., it was really a rough time for me. That was tough. Uh, wow, I got schooled. You know, I was the teacher, but I was getting schooled. I met another, it was hard, so I met another fellow first-year female teacher, and we found refuge in each other's classrooms because, you know, we had the same period off. And I was getting attracted to her. So, you know, I shared my heart with my friend Lee. And he listened. But then I still remember what he said after he really listened. But you know, brother, you can't pursue a relationship with her, right? His words struck me. I knew he was right. 
I knew he was right. I did not want to hear him say that, but I knew he was right. I needed somebody to tell me. Put it into words. Why? Because if he hadn't said those words to me, right, I think him being a good friend to speak that into me, he knew me enough that I couldn't pursue someone in my life as a partner, life partner, if they didn't love Jesus. Because Jesus was the very one who gives me life. He's the source of my life. How could I be with someone who didn't want Jesus? Uh, she's this Jewish woman, so she, she loved, you know, God, but she didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. And if he hadn't said those words to me, I may have missed out on all that God had for me in the years to come, including the best gift God has given to me, my life partner, G. <laughs> because you see, an accountable friendship speaks and lives the truth. I'd like to call up the worship team. Jesus didn't just hang out with his friends and let the mood, the mood, the young people these days are all about, it's a whole mood. Uh, he didn't let the mood carry his commitments. No, Jesus brought direction to his friendships. And he models the same for us. If we are followers of Jesus, this means we're not casual in our friendships. But we bring accountability into our friendships. We don't settle for less, but we challenge each other to be the best that we're meant to be. As I reflect on those who stuck around with the church, as I look at the faces in here in leadership, hey amen, we've been through some things. Those who are still with us, those who are still in it, it's actually those who have accountable relationships in their lives. Not because we're some super duper awesome people. I mean, we are, but that's because we have some people to check us, right? And say, hey, man, I know this isn't you. Uh, let me walk with you. The focus of so much of this series on friendship, it's not so much about finding that ideal friend to be that friend to you, but it's about becoming that ideal friend. And as you hear this, I don't want you to feel, oh, another thing. No. What I want you to hear is you can do this because Jesus loves you like that. Day in, day out. I know you have stories how faithful Jesus has been to you. You have the access to that kind of friendship. If you feel alone, you have access to that kind of friendship in Jesus. Draw upon that. Draw upon how he loves you. And, and some of us need to be reminded of that. Come up under that again. Think about the friendships that you currently have. Think about how could you bring some accountability into those friendships? You know, it looks different depending on the friendships, but at the very least, it's inviting others to keep you accountable. Uh, it, it's hard for us, especially if we've had to just grind on our own, 
to say, hey, I need some help. That takes courage. That takes courage among our friends, actually. That's good for us. You just invite, hey, can you check me? Right? And I'm sure your friends will have some things to say, you know, because they know you. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, you, you're deepening that friendship. You're allowing more access. It also means, of course, offering accountability to others. Directly, indirectly, uh, to just service, praying for them. Take each other. Let's take each other to the next level. Let's take each other to the next level. Jesus has given us a community for that. We're not in this alone. That's why Jesus, his prayer for us is strengthen each other. It's not going to, you see the world? Let the world do its thing. But how, how you treat each other, let it be different. So let us be accountable friends who inspire each other, serving others, praying ahead, speaking and living the truth. Can you stand? And I just want to uh, pray for us. We're going to do something a little bit different and take a moment of quiet uh, to let Jesus, our best friend, uh, speak to us. Jesus, thank you for being there for us day in, day out. Thank you that we are not alone. Never would you leave us or forsake us. You're that kind of friend to us. And as we hold that in mind, his, the faithfulness of Jesus to us, let's ask Jesus right now, Jesus, won't you bring to mind a friend that we need to maybe open up to? Tell him a little something that, that we, need, we need some help. Or we would appreciate a little prayer. Or won't you bring to mind right now Someone that you want us to pray for that needs that little encouragement to be reminded they're not in this alone. They got some other warriors praying for them. Hey, Jesus, help us start here. If we can't, if we can't do it with our own family right here, how, how can we do it out? take a minute you just listen speak Lord your servants listen bring someone to mind even in this room that either we need to open up to ask for prayer from or that we need to give a little prayer to and for Thank you, faithful Jesus. Lord God, especially for those who have been burned in friendships, God, bring healing to us. Uh, not, you know, maybe nobody understands, but you certainly understand. The friends you, you, you gave your life for, three years of your life, walking with them, spending time with them, giving them everything, pouring out everything to them. They bailed on you. You know what that's like. But that didn't stop you, Jesus. You drew on the Father's love. So, Father, we draw on your love. Bring healing right now to anyone who needs healing. And help us 
Lord God, to be the kind of friend that you have been to us, to others, maybe just one at a time. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You love us so much. You have not left us alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So I encourage you, whoever God brought up to your mind, especially if there's anybody in here, go and pray for them. Or just say, hey, can you pray for me? That's okay. Go for it. So So loving and so true, so powerful in all you do, you fill me.